When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to another video from Fantasy Football Scout or podcast, depending on how you're consuming this. Uh, my name is David Monday and I'm back with another episode of FPL Sunday with David Monday. Um, as per usual, if you have any better rhymes for my name and the show, please tell me. Always open uh, for jokes about my name i've been having them all my life so what's a few more in the aftermath of game week eight let's be honest uh obviously we've uh not done this show in a couple of weeks i feel like we keep having one week on one week off uh it's very disruptive uh season once again last season and the season before it was covid and of course this time the disruption caused uh by the the, the royal mourning going on in the uk right now uh, in the aftermath of the passing of Queen Elizabeth II. So football came back this weekend, but then, of course, now we've got an international break, so now it's off again. So it's very on and off for fantasy football managers right now. Plenty of things uh, to talk about uh, in, in, uh, in and amongst that. Um, I think this uh, episode might be a little bit shorter than usual. Um, I th- with the, with the, the schedule of the games means that we haven't just come in from um you know like a usual 4:30 game game finished half an hour ago usually there's a lot of visceral energy flying about the uh, the social spaces at that point in time but today's uh, schedule a little bit strange because we obviously had the 12 o'clock game and then the 2:30 game and so it means that by the time the 7 o'clock came around i think everyone's basically gone to bed uh, as far as FBL is concerned and of course it was a blank game week as well so slightly fewer games to look at and we've got an international break coming up as well uh, so there's you know plenty of time for you to I guess get your rest from the season and um, maybe unplug a little bit and replug in in about 10 days time so I'm going to try and keep it slightly shorter than usual uh, for those that, that um, have stuck around um, Tony D says um, Monday with Mopay's goal on a Sunday love that um, a big result for Everton that one and uh, as we'll find out very soon, good for my FPL team as well. And um, one thing I should also just apologise before we crack on with everything is I would like to apologise for some erroneous information on the screen right now. It says that I've got a green arrow this week up to 1,141,536 in the world. That is a lie. I am telling you an absolute lie, but not on purpose. Bit of a mistake this week. Completely forgot to update the... Um, the Photoshop. So my actual rank is a slight drop down to 1.2 million. That's where I am at the moment. And you'll find out why soon after. Now, if there's people who have come here and have never watched an episode of FPL Sunday with David Monday, then I'll just fill you in on what this is all about. It's an opportunity on a Sunday to capture all of that residual leftover visceral energy that you've had from your Sunday matches, be that good or bad. Uh, usually we're towards the end of a game week. Obviously today we are at the very end of it already. And as a, I feel stupid explaining it now because the game week actually finished several hours ago. But the idea is come here, a little bit of an after-party effect, someone once said. And uh, yeah, tell us how things got on for you. 
uh, one other one other warning is that um, I am in about eight minutes going to be on my own in the house with my kids who are supposed to be in bed. So if we end up with a BBC dad moment where one of them walks in and tells me, I don't know, that they need the toilet or something, that might happen. So if it does, then, you know, feel free to clip it and put it on Twitter. And I promise that I haven't told my children to do that. But if it does happen, that's just what happens when you've got kids. So that's just a slight warning there. Uh, before we can continue, don't forget to like um, Fantasy Football Scout. Uh, don't forget to like this video, subscribe to Fantasy Football Scout, and hit the bell notification so you never miss uh, any more videos quite like this one. Plenty of other great content on this channel. Scoutcast on Tuesdays, Team News on the on the Thursdays and Fridays, depending on what your deadlines are, sometimes on Tuesday. Burning questions, stats of the day, some great content on this channel, none of which has anything to do with me, so I feel like I can get away with plugging it. If you don't want to miss that, like this video so that they can see that you, you like this type of content subscribe and hit the bell notification so let's jump straight into game week eight then it was a game week that we waited a long time for because uh, of all the the uh, the postponements and we came back in with Forrest against Fulham in what has got to be one of the most FPL of all FPL moments really I mean that's just how it goes isn't it is everybody's wild card to get in Mitrovic people are finally starting Andreas Pereira like this was the first week I actually started him all season well, you checked that score and you probably thought, oh, there we go, plenty of points there. Well, absolutely not. No, absolutely nothing from Pereira or Mitrovic. We got goals from Palinia, Tosin and Harrison Reed. Plenty of people wild-carded Reed out. It's just about as FBL as it gets. So if you were missing that kind of deep, deep frustration where you make a great choice based on what you have you know, in front of you and then it all backfires, well... Maybe you know how Damon Targaryen feels. Hopefully, this isn't too much of a spoiler for people. I'd like to think that if you're watching House of the Dragon, you're kind of up to date at this point. And I should also just point out that what's happening in the bottom right-hand corner of the screen, for those who are on podcast viewers, is it's a it's a minor character. So I'd like to think this isn't spoilers. Separately, if you need a break from fantasy, uh, from fantasy uh, football going into the international break and you want to come into this video and you just want to post comments in the live chat about what you think of House of the Dragon so far, I'll absolutely allow it on this particular occasion, considering we've got an international break coming up. And maybe, you know, having like 10 days off and then coming back in on a potentially disappointing game week when you've played your wildcard. Maybe all you do want to talk about is Game of Thrones. So if that's for you, jump in the comments as well. Uh, I thought I'd inspire you a little bit with some uh, House of the Dragon FPL memes, which they're great. Go on Twitter and you'll see more of them. What else happened in game week eight? Ah, yes. Son Heung-min, the man who FPL forgot for the most part, with the exception of some of these choice individuals who did particularly well. Son has had a really bad start to the season. Hadn't scored yet, even lost his place in the team, which for someone like Son at Spurs is obviously quite significant when you consider that he's almost as talismanic there as Harry Kane. And of course, came back in with an absolute bang against Leicester, although we probably should just clarify it with the best of respect to the Foxes. It was only Leicester who are having a particularly terrible season. But I do just want to shout out to people uh, who who had Son in their team or went as far in the case of FPL Ross to triple captain him and he went from 1.5 million in the world to 80k in one afternoon which has got to be one of the most ridiculous rank jumps I've ever seen and it's not like we're even in early season anymore we're in kind of early mid-season at this point so to get I mean my maths is terrible I mean that's, that's like 1.4 million rank jump off the back of one decision incredible of course 
the triple captain chip has been used and maybe everyone else will use it later in the season. But I always say the triple captain is best used in a game week when other people don't use it. Because if you captain the guy who everyone else triples in a double game week and he does well, then the effect on you is probably slightly less negative than it would be in the positive. If you've captained the, the triple captain, someone who hardly anyone owns, get 57 points out of it. Well, there we go. Proofs in the pudding. 1.4 million rank jump there. George R in the chat says, this is a meme I can get behind. And I'm guessing he's referring to the Game of Thrones one. I, I wonder if that George R is George R R Martin. If it is you, if you could please finish your book series, that would be great. So off you go. Stop watching my videos and get back to writing. Cheers, George. Um, Asi F says, lol, forget a goal. Not even an assist from either Mitrovic or Pereira is crazy. I mean, that is a fair point, actually. I should have gone into that slightly more when you consider how integral both those players are to their attack. And they still manage to just not get involved at all and score three goals. It's just, wow, you can't write it. Uh, speaking of other things you can't write, Dad of the Captaincy Oracle, that's what he's called on Twitter now because he's changed his name in the aftermath of this particular event. His handle is at daydreamer underscore FBL. This season, I have been handing over my captaincy decisions to my one-year-old son. He has made the right decision three out of three times, including the two-goal Sterling Hall in the game week Salah blanked in the 9-0. His choice for this week is below. Uh, ride or die. And he's obviously screenshotted a picture of the fact that he's captain son. I don't entirely know how this one-year-old is making that decision. I'm going to guess... I don't know. I kind of feel like if you've got, a, I mean, I've, I've got a six and a four year old, so both of them have been one. If I was going to ask them to make a very complicated fantasy decision for me, I'd probably have to lay out some food a little bit like, you know, when the zoo just, you know, they're going to predict the England game or like their local football team will just put out two bits of food. One of them's got one on, one of them's got the other. Surely that's how he made this decision. I can't, I can't imagine that a one year old has kind of looked at 15 players, compared a few stats and gone, do you know what, dad? Let's go with Son if he's won. <laughs> Obviously he's had some input because this tweet got something like three, four thousand likes on it. So I mean, I should just clarify. I'm not, if you're watching this video and this was your kid, I'm not knocking it. I've got kids myself and I like getting involved, getting them involved as much as I can. I just, I would love to know what the process was in terms of that child picking this. But I mean, either way, at the end of the day, even if he's made it up and he's captain Son based on his own gut feeling, I mean, he don't care, does he? Cause he's got 34 points. Is that right? 36 points, 38 points. My maths is terrible when I'm on the spot. A lot of points. He's got a lot of points off that, so well done to him. And finally, FBL Corrigan, you can always rely on for some Peep Show references. Sharing there a picture of his son. Uh, and for those of you who are listening, it's a picture of Mark Corrigan holding his son in the Peep Show episode where he becomes a father. And we've got Son photoshopped over the, uh, the baby's face. And, uh, well, it just confirms to me that, you know, FBL... It's just Lego, isn't it? Football Lego. That's how it goes. You just position your bricks in the right place and you've, and you're sorted. So yes, Son absolutely was the story this particular game week. If you've got any Son stories, I really want to know about it because I know that a lot of people, uh, like took him out on their wild cards, had him in a wild card draft, haven't really covered those players or those managers, I should say, in, in this particular roundup of the Son stuff. So if, uh, if you've got some Son stories in the chat, I would happily read those out. George R. apparently is not the famous author of the Game of Thrones series and House of the Dragon. He says, my name's actually Russell and I share it with the F1 driver, lol. I mean, that is that is quite funny. He also says, lol, I wish. He wishes he was George R. R. Martin. Well, I, dare I say it, if you're a Formula One driver and you're also George R. R. Martin, you probably would have finished your book series quicker. So I wish as well. What else has happened? Ah, uh, yes, Jesus. Now, if we're talking about strikers on wildcards, Jesus is someone who 
was at the centre of a lot of things. Loads of people got rid of him. Now, I actually held him. I haven't wildcarded yet. We'll find out why in a minute. So I just thought I'd include this. So, I, Well, firstly, if you're reading these tweets and thinking that I'm taking the mick out of Jesus' owners, I am one of them. So for a start, don't worry, I'm not taking the mick. If, basically, if you took out Jesus and you saw him score today, then it's not as bad as it could have been. Obviously, got that yellow card towards the end, so he lost some bonus points. And a lot of people went for uh, Isaac, Isaac, however you want to say it. You also scored more points than Jesus, so you shouldn't feel too bad if you took out Jesus. But at the same time, if you held on to Jesus like me, you probably feel relatively vindicated because, of course, I think it was five points in the end after that that booking. So I'll take it. I'll take it. Tris Wood says, this was such a tough game week to manage. I actually happen to agree with that. I'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, he says, I'm only a part-time player, but I found it almost impossible to pick the right wildcard squad. I'll touch on that as well because I, I personally felt like felt like this was a, a, I don't want to say the wrong week to wildcard because I never want to sound like I'm being overly judgmental or you know thinking of my opinion too highly but certainly when you've had a long long break for a little while I don't normally like wildcarding after long breaks can sometimes bust some of the the trends that have been appearing now speaking of trends that have been appearing I just said I don't want to come across like my opinion is better than everyone else and now I'm talking about defenders and big at the back and medium at the back and now i'm going to accidentally probably sound like really smug but hopefully if you've been watching these videos since game week one you'll understand where this is coming from (laughs) i haven't been big at the back at all not even in the summer i picked my first team well it would have been the day that the game launched i didn't then touch it until like four days before kickoff because I'm one of these people that doesn't do loads of drafts. So I never had big at the back. I didn't have bigger back in, in game week one. I had Trent, Cancelo and a load of four fives rotating around. I've had that since the beginning because I don't believe in big at the back. And with every passing week, more and more of the, and I'm going to call them more established than me. I'll pay them that credit. People <laughs> turn around and go, yeah, do you know what? Big at the back ain't working. And one of the additional people who's joined that bag in this week is uh, is Joe, my good friend Joe, who also is a uh, big man on uh, the Fantasy Football Scout videos and podcasts. Been doing this a long time, so when he says something, generally I like to think that you know he's onto something. Now this tweet that I've screenshotted, annoyingly, y- you have to expand it to see his entire backline. He's gone with the caption, medium at the back is back. And his backline is Cancelo, Trippier and Patterson. So that's a 7 million, 5.3, I think Trippier is now, maybe 5.4, and Patterson at 4 million. Nine points, five points, six points, respectively. You know that—that's what you want. You want you want your backline producing reliable points like that. And at the moment, you aren't really finding that with bigger the back. So you know it's bigger the back is. I don't, Liverpool obviously have a game next week. Chelsea have a game next week. So maybe I could be sat here next week, completely embarrassed by all of the expensive defenders that have done well. But I don't know. Just with every week that goes by, we just get more and more of these cheap defenders that just 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 prove to me that your money's better spent elsewhere now i've mentioned patterson a couple of great memes about him so i just wanted to include those that he obviously is, is still starting games which is great and everton got a clean sheet against the west ham team that are really struggling to live up to what they did last season and with a couple of the the cheaper defenders like neko williams obviously hasn't done as well as people would have hoped over the last few weeks a couple of other cheaper defenders well if you needed someone to come through in the clutch this week well nathan patterson did the job the uh, the meme that we've got here for anyone listening, if you know the look at me, I'm the captain now. It's from that movie with Tom Hanks. It just photoshopped Nathan Patterson's face over that guy saying, look at me, I'm the budget defender now. 
He's the man. Uh, Benjamin Thomason's also pointed out Saliba got 15 points as well. I would be loath to call him big at the back. I think he's medium at the back. So, yeah, I absolutely think that he's someone else. If you've got him, just proving that spending slightly less in defence is still going to work. Arsenal keeping a clean sheet, him getting uh, attacking returns as well. So, yes, spend less in defence, spend more elsewhere would be what I would say. Now, speaking of what I would say, let's find out what I did. So, slightly misleading this uh, this team this lineup for for game week eight for me because that man on the bench Nathan Patterson will be coming in for Batman as we like to call him on this on this channel uh, I don't know who is currently playing Batman in my team could be Robert Pattinson I don't know but the point is Eddie Howe was having none of it benched him so in comes Nathan Patterson so very very happy with that so in total it's 52 points which in a game week like this I'm actually quite happy with I in a couple of weeks ago probably would have thought more of Captain and Kane because anyone who's watched this video regularly will will know that I've actually had a lot of weeks where I've nearly gone Kane over uh, Haaland and then mildly regretted it afterwards but the thing is how reliable Haaland's been at this point it's not even close I just captain him without thinking it anymore <laughs> so then it's actually more frustrating when Kane outscores him in terms of how I got to this team I was very lucky so lots of people have been wildcarding and I was fortunate enough that with the players that I had um, some people were wildcarding because they you know the, they, there was a situation where they couldn't fill the full 11 well I had 10 starters well actually I think it may have been 11 I had 10 or 11 starters one who I think I didn't which actually ironically I think was Patterson but either way I had a decent number of starters and I'd been rolling some transfers something I always do and I will continue to do I'll keep rolling I'll keep rolling 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 so I think it would have been game week... When did when did things get cancelled? It would have been game week seven. I did one of my two free transfers when there was no game on to go from Trent to Trippier. And then I obviously then had two again for game week eight. And the move I did this time was gross to Gordon, which didn't go as well as it could have done. But I still don't think it was a terrible move, personally. And so then it means that I've now got two free transfers for game week nine where we may have cancellation. So... A few people have looked at my team and looked at my decisions and assumed that I've already used my wildcard and that's why I'm kind of muddling through. Going back to previous one, we were, I just mentioned about timing of a wildcard. Uh, I'm not one to say that the crowd has necessarily got it wrong, but there's a couple. I don't like wildcarding around blank game weeks and I don't like wildcarding when or in the middle of a prolonged break of football because, I mean, fantasy football is all about trends and patterns. We know that, you know, anyone who's um, watched enough of these videos or watched, just played enough fantasy football over the years will know that it's spotting those trends. That's what gets you the points. But the the best way to get to just be better than everyone else is to know when those trends are going to end and when those trends are going to change. And in my sort of personal experience or just in terms of the numbers that I tend to look at, I kind of feel like that large pauses in the season are when those trends tend to change, because if well, I mean, we just all know so much about how important rhythm is in football. You know, you play every three days. If you're fit enough to play every three days, you know, if the human body was capable of playing every three days without having to make constant changes, like, like the manager making changes, you know, those teams are just going to get into a, a rhythm where they play really well. And sometimes losing that rhythm of playing games every three days, four days or whatever can be very jarring to defensive cohesion, to, you know, a team's ability to create attacks that are going to cause damage to people and then of course there's the fact that if you haven't got games on and then you can maybe spend a bit of time on the training pitch 
working on a few things. Teams that have played really badly might come out of a long break and all of a sudden they've nailed it and they've sorted their problems. Alternatively, the team might get you know a little bit complacent. So I kind of felt like wildcarding around this particular time I didn't like doing. The uh, the so I could wildcard in game week nine, but as I said, I don't. I haven't previously liked to wildcard when it's been game weeks. Now the strikes. There was a situation where they, where they might happen in game week nine. I think, uh, and people confirming in the chat that they that they're probably not going to be happening in game week nine. They may happen at a later point. But in terms of when I made my decisions and my transfers for game week nine, for game week eight, I should say it was possible that they were going to happen, and I liked the idea of having two free transfers when we were going to have them. I'll, I'll have to keep an eye on the fixtures because I mean it's just another season where there's just a lot of disruption. But certainly, I just felt like using the wild card now wasn't right for me personally. I wouldn't feel comfortable doing it, and we'll we'll just have to see how the fixtures go in terms of where I play it again. But I'm kind of looking forward to it because I think that I always like to play a wild card when lots of other people aren't, and the fact that lots of people have played their wild card this week hasn't gone tremendously well for them. Whilst I'm hardly the sort of person who likes to engage in Schadenfreude. Obviously, in this game, I kind of want everyone to do less well than me. Hopefully, that doesn't sound like me being a jerk saying that. That's just kind of how it goes, really. I'm quite happy with the fact that the wild cards haven't gone too well because I kind of kind of hope that uh, I can wild card for a game week when it when I'll just have a little bit more information at my hands to make a team I feel more comfortable having a bit of longevity. So yeah, that's where my team's at at the moment. And I do apologise. I've just realised I've not actually read out my full eleven for the podcast listeners. So it's warding goal, obviously, with a season high score you could say of zero points. Uh, Trippier with five, Botman didn't play, so in comes Patterson on six, Diaz on six, Neko Williams on one, Andreas Pereira on one, Martinelli on three, Gordon with two points, Captain Haaland for 12, ten, uh, 10 points for Kane, and six points for Jesus. Uh, Murphy Meji says, I'm wildcarding today, I will lose Jesus and other players who are dropping and bring in price rising Zaha, etc. My aim is to steal 0.1 here and there, then actually build on deadline day. Well, if you are wildcarding, I will always say that the best time to wildcard is basically when the game week that you've before you wildcard has just finished, go then because you can catch them. Catch those price rises. Fingers crossed you get enough of those rises across the international break. Sometimes they taper off because people just sort of stop looking at their teams. But fingers crossed you can make a bit of money out of that. So, moving on then from my team, because, let's be honest, there's better teams out there than mine. I always like to give a plug for, for Scout Notes. Hopefully, you guys aren't bored of me saying this, but they are fantastic. It's a series of articles on the Fantasy Football Scout website, where they go into excruciating, and I mean that in a good way, by the way, level of detail of what's happened in the most recent matches. And, I mean, they're they're to be honest, in the international break, you've got more time to read them. You know, you've got no excuse now. They've got plenty of time to write the story write the the analysis you've got plenty more time to read them if you want the absolute cast iron authoritative view on all these games in terms of eye test and stats that's where you want to go so make sure you head over for those i am going to feature uh, one such article written by i think it was tom freeman who's the deputy editor of fantasy football scout uh, on the fulham game because i know there was a lot of frustration from people uh, with Mitrovic and Pereira not getting involved. Fulham obviously scored three goals in, in inside six minutes, which is just insane. Because uh, because we'll say we're losing as well. And, you know, instead of the likes of Mitrovic and Pereira getting the points, you had Harrison Reed. William has obviously come in as well. And so, yeah, a couple of uh, particular observations on those players is that if you have brought Mitrovic in and you're a bit frustrated... 
because I mean the thing the, the ridiculous thing about Mitrovic is that I think he'd had one blank so far this season he comes in against a team that has you know bottom of the league for things like shots conceded shots in the box conceded just all sorts you know to such a leaky defense and, and Fulham have still scored three goals still not involved you know has he not had a good role in the game well still had four shots on goal which means that he's still in a position where he is causing, asking lots of questions at the very least. Three of those are in the box. Only one was on target. So he's a little bit wayward in terms of his accuracy in that particular game. But I wouldn't be too worried about him too much moving forward because if we just keep an eye on what he's been doing across the whole season, he's still one of the Premier League's best players in terms of accuracy. He's had 16 shots on target. Only Haaland has had more than that. It's three more than Kane. Where he's sort of letting the side down, or us down, I suppose, uh, is just in that goal conversion rate. Because you just notice uh, in some of the stats that we've got here that Haaland's goal conversion rate is just inhuman at this point, 40.7%. Uh, Kane is 25% and Mitrovic down on 19.4%. I mean, I guess you could argue, you know, you are paying a slightly cheaper price than those two. So he's got to be slack in some particular department. I guess goal conversion rate is where he is worse than those two. But at the same time, that's hardly a terrible goal conversion rate. And at least he's getting those shots on target. And the more often he gets those shots on target, well, you're just more likely he's going to score, which I guess sounds kind of flipping obvious. But, you know, I wouldn't worry too much about Mitrovic. He is going to continue doing well, in my opinion. As long as he keeps having those shots, as and as we can see from the Forest game, he did have those shots, then I wouldn't be too worried. Pereira, I guess I would be slightly more worried about, although he is only 4.5, so he's hardly someone who is burning a hole in your team in terms of the money he's taking up. Two shots for him, none were in the box, uh, only one was on target. He created two chances in that game, but as I've already alluded to, he, he seemingly has lost that set-piece threat. Willian has taken over those, and it was then Willian who got the assist for Tostin's goal. So that's a bit of a frustration. And of course, if you compare it with Reed, who's the same price, I think, as Pereira, and he got the goal, well, that's deeply frustrating. But the thing is, unless you're wildcarding, moving on a Pereira... I mean, I'd like to think that's not something you're considering, really, because surely you've got bigger problems than your four five midfield player not delivering, because that's why he's four five, right? In ter- if you are wildcarding, then yeah, maybe I'd have a look at someone else, but he's hardly a pressing issue for me. This podcast is sponsored by Paramount Plus, where Champions League soccer is back. Nine months of heart-stopping, hold-your-breath exhilaration starts on September the 6th with the biggest stars and top teams across Europe. Watch every match from the group stage through to the knockout rounds as Benzema and Real Madrid defend their title against the likes of Liverpool, Man City, Chelsea, PSG, Barcelona and more. Don't miss a single second with Paramount Plus starting from September the 6th. Uh, Tony D says, as I said uh, earlier, Mitrovic versus Forrest was doing his best Mo Salah versus Bournemouth impression. Absolutely true. Yeah, that was what well, we've all we, we all know what it feels like now. That's why I said at the beginning of the show, it's like absolutely classic FPL to have this player that everyone flocks to and then doesn't do anything against the worst, like one of the worst defenses uh, in the league. Elsewhere in this match, it's worth pointing out about Forrest because this this is actually going to end up probably basically being a bit about Leicester. So uh, at the moment, Forest are they're now the only side to have faced more than 100 shots on goal in the Premier League this season. They sit bottom of the league for expected goals conceded on 12.90. It's the second Premier League match in a row where they've thrown away a lead after a 2-0 advantage and have then lost it 3-2. That's what happened against Bournemouth. 
They've now conceded six goals to Fulham and Bournemouth. When you consider that Fulham and Bournemouth are the other two promoted sides, doesn't exactly bode well. I mean, maybe you could argue that in those games they've been a little bit more offensive because they feel like they can get points out of those, but it, it does not bode well for next week when they play Leicester. And the thing is, Leicester aren't exactly doing very well at the bottom of the league, but there is one particular individual who is doing very well at Leicester, who we are going to talk about in just a moment. Before we have a bit of a brief roundup of Saturday's games, slightly fewer matches uh, this particular game week, which means it's um, actually quite easy to kind of like do a broad overview of the games by comparing um, their stats. Uh Nuclear Atom says only rookies will be put off uh, Mitrovic now. I mean, that's a good point. You know, when we talk about how you can steal a march on other people. There will be guaranteed there'll be people in your mini leagues to sell Mitrovic this week. Oh, he didn't score against Forest. Well, he must be rubbish then. Move him on. Well, absolutely. Sometimes a blank in those games is quite nice. You might lose point one in value, but you may end up getting bigger green arrows because you kept, kept the faith. So that's a good way of looking at it. But yes, how did teams get on in Saturday's matches? Yeah, one particular thing stands out to me here. As I said, things at Leicester aren't exactly great. But they did still manage to get 19 shots uh, against Spurs and actually had more shots on goal than Spurs did in a game where they lost 6-2. I want to say that's impressive, but I don't necessarily mean that in a good way, you know, because <laughs> they're clearly a team that seriously struggles. And someone I noticed on Twitter pointed out today that Danny Ward, well, maybe there's a reason he was the third-choice goalkeeper at Liverpool when they had Mignolet and Carrier. Well, I think we know now. I think we finally understand that. But that doesn't mean that they can't score goals because, of course, it scored twice against a Spurs defence that actually hasn't been too bad this season. It hasn't been amazing, but it's statistically performing as one of the better defences this season. So Leicester getting some goals against it does bode well, and they're about to play Forest. So keep an eye on that particular stat. We will come on to that in a minute. Uh, for the podcast listeners, the top uh, four teams for shots in total in Saturday's matches, Newcastle were top with 20, Leicester with 19, Spurs with 16, and Man City with 16. So speaking of Newcastle, it's good to see that they are a team that's persistently shooting on goal because they've got some positive fixtures. Bournemouth are a team with a particularly obliging defence, admittedly, but 20 shots uh, for the Magpies is good news if you've got their attacking assets because it shows that they are an attacking team when they play these poor defences. They've got Fulham and Brentford next in the next two. Both of those teams have conceded at least more than one goal in their last two games. And so I've had a few questions in the chat about uh, Isak, uh, who I will talk about in a minute. Uh, I think I'd be surprised if anyone has Wilson. He may be back. Uh, at some point, uh, Almiron, maybe some people have as, as a budget option. Willock is there as well. Trippier, obviously, is, is the key one as well. I've got Trippier and uh, offers quite a lot of potential, mostly from assists. But yes, Newcastle are a team that, you know, you can expect them to dominate the shot count against Fulham and Brentford based on how they played against Bournemouth. And that's, in my opinion, uh, quite encouraging. I also just wanted to highlight from these stats about uh, Saturday's games that um, the Wolves are still a team with serious uh, threat going forward. Just six shots against Man City. Now, of course, you could say it's Man City. Yes, you could. But in the past, Wolves have... Well, under Nuno, anyway, they were actually a team that used to actually cause Man City quite a lot of problems. You know, they would be one of those teams that that would go out and attack Man City. I've always said that if you're going to beat Man City, you have to attack them. You know, they're not the type of team that you can soak up the pressure for for 90 minutes and just hope you get the odd counter-attack here and there. I mean, it has worked from time to time, but the risk factor involved is just... They know how to break teams down. But one thing the Man City do actually struggle to do 
in terms of its basic form, is defend because they basically defend with possession. So if you let them have all of the ball, you've done their job for them in terms of they can defend that, no problem. If you can go and ask them defensive questions in dangerous areas, they are going to concede. And Wolves used to do that, but no longer. Just six shots in that game. Yes, they had a man sent off, but they looked especially woeful even before that happened. And so the reason I mention it while we're on the subject is that West Ham... Chelsea and Forest are Wolves' next three games. So if you have got a West Ham defender, which you might do in Emerson, although admittedly didn't start today, but hopefully I think maybe he would start, maybe come back and see him at some point. Uh, against Wolves, decent chance of a clean sheet. There's bound to be people still with Reese James uh, out there. I mean, not that you would be selling him for a Wolves game anyway, but just to reassure people that when they play Wolves, you'd like to think they keep a clean sheet. And crucially here, in three game weeks' time, Wolves are going to play Nottingham Forest. So, I mean, I may have wildcarded by then, but with that particular game in mind, I feel like that's the game where maybe I would start Neko Williams again, depending on who else is available. I have obviously just pointed out how shocking their defence is, but I think in this particular case, it's a case of the shocking defence against the immovable attack in the sense that they, they seemingly can't make any moves against anyone. So if Forest are going to keep a clean sheet, maybe it's the Wolves game. So thought I'd highlight that. But I've talked about Leicester and I've kind of gone off on a few tangents. Let's talk about Madison then. So they are playing for us next, who are particularly obliging. And, well, Doogie says... I'm oh, sorry, Doogie. Well, Dougie. What, I just... Forgive me. You're not, you know, a dog uh, from Magic Roundabout. You're a real person. Let's get your name right. He says, how worried should I be about not owning Madison given their fixtures? Well, for the next game... Based on the stats from this game, I would be very worried. So he is actually on my list of, of players I do want to bring in for game week nine. I've got a bit of money in the bank, so I I don't think it's going to be too difficult. I think I can actually get to him from Solly March because I've banked a bit of money. I really want to get him for this particular game. I may be wildcarding soon, so I'm really only thinking about the next particular fixture. But as you've alluded to, the fixtures are really nice. Now, the stats from this weekend. You've got a Spurs defence that hasn't been too obliging this season. Hasn't kept too many clean sheets, but it doesn't really give up too many shots. Well, Madison finished Saturday with seven shots. Three in the box, one big chance, three on target. Seven shots was three more than any other player on Saturday. I haven't actually got numbers in terms of how that compares with the rest of the game week. But clearly, a real eye for goal in this particular game. And if he's playing like that against a team that hasn't been obliging, well, what can he do against a team that has been? Is, is, is the question that you're going to have to ask with him. I'm going to come to his, just because of the way that I, well, now, do you know what? Let's make this easier for people. I'm going to switch to the next slide, which has the assist potential as well. Now, this is why I'd be really scared not owning him, is not only was he particularly persistent in terms of shooting against Spurs, he was also particularly persistent in terms of assist potential as well. So four key passes for Madison against that Spurs defence. It's the joint second best of the whole game week. It's as many key passes as De Bruyne which, you know, if you're keeping company with someone as world-class in terms of creativity as him, then, well, you must have had a good game. The only one to have created more chances than him is Zimura at Bournemouth, who I'm sure is top of everyone's transfer list. So once you've, you know, thrown him in your team, Madison's the one to look for. But yeah, so just comparing those two particular slides, the way that Madison's played in this most recent game, I would be very nervous not owning him and as I said I think he's going to be top of my transfer list now I saw an interesting comment that I wanted to read out yeah Nuclear Atoms said I'm really leaning towards captaining Madison over Haaland I did with Kane and I'm not afraid of being brave again wow 
well, we need more managers like you. Some people say that Haaland is a sort of cheat code. It's sort of broken the captaincy. Well, along comes James Madison to knock him off his perch, eh? Well, yeah, entirely possible when you think about how poorly uh, Forrest have been playing defensively. I have made a rookie error, and this will make more sense in a second. Unfortunately, we're at that time of the year where at 7 o'clock, when I start recording this and start streaming this, it's actually quite light outside. And within 40 minutes, all of a sudden, it's got very dingy and I sort of look like I live in my mum's basement in terms of the lighting. So what I am going to do is I am just going to turn a couple of lights on. So if you hear me not talking for a few seconds, it's because I'm trying to sort that out. And embarrassingly for people watching me, the lights in my study are in really embarrassing places. So I'm, yeah, just give me one moment. (laughs) Right, there we are. Hopefully you can see me better now. Hopefully you enjoyed a close-up view of my torso as I reach behind my computer screen to turn on one of my lights. So yes, welcome to the autumn. That is the time of year that we are recording this. And in future, I think I'll have to close my curtains and turn, turn my lights on, even if it's light outside, to avoid losing that light halfway through the video. So yes, moving on, moving on. And the podcast listeners, I'm so sorry you didn't see that because that was, you know, one for the one for the history books. Um... In terms of looking at some other Leicester attackers, we've got someone in the chat who's thinking about that. So I don't really know how to say your name because there's just so many consonants. J-G-F-D-F-G-F-D. I'm guessing that's not how people say your name, but that's that's as best as I can offer. He said, I'm considering a Leicester attacker as a third forward, but seems like too much rotation risk between Vardy, Iheanacho and Daka. I would agree with that because... Vardy's not going to stay bench for long, is he? And if he's going to come in, who's he going to come in for? Yeah, which is why, I mean, just it's just another reason why Madison is the go-to, isn't it? Like, who he's not going to get rotated. Who's going to come in for him? He's kind of harder to replace in that team. So Madison's got to be the one for me. Um, if you, I mean, I, I suppose the only thing is, if you're looking for ways to to double up to the point that Madison... Because Madison is a shield, isn't he? If anyone has ever seen Joe's Sword and Shield analogies next week surely madison is the shield if you need a sword well i mean i guess you could take a risk on one of those guys maybe uh, i mean jewsbury hall has you know done pretty well in in this most recent game in terms of creativity just going back to the creativity table he was actually level with madison for the four key passes now i should just clarify i'm not saying that jewsbury hall can cover madison he absolutely can't because he doesn't even have anywhere near as much attacking potential in terms of goal threat as madison so madison you are getting what you pay for if you want those attacking returns get madison but if you want just that little bit extra well you know maybe jewsbury hall's the one to go for slightly more uh drop slightly less droppable I would say, than any of those forwards who could get rotated. And I suppose the one thing I should probably just clarify, depending on when you're watching this video, because you might be watching this in a few days' time, it's entirely possible you're watching this from a point in time where Brendan Rodgers is no longer the Leicester manager because, of course, he is under tremendous amounts of pressure. So do consider that as well. I'm of the opinion that if he does get sacked over the international break and we've got a caretaker manager in for the the next game or you know maybe even someone installed as the new manager, I don't think that's going to affect Madison at all. Because clearly he's not going to get he's not going to get dropped by the caretaker or the new manager. Where that new manager may have an impact is which of those forwards play. My suspicion is that if he does get sacked and a caretaker's in and a, or there's a new permanent manager, if I was the new permanent manager at Leicester and I just needed to sort of steady the ship for the next game, I'd probably start Vardy because he's he's like the don of that club, and you know you need your kind of senior 
players that are bought into Leicester. Not just not to say that Ianacho and Dakar aren't bought in. I, I don't mean that for uh, quite like that, but I don't know. I feel like Vardy's a sure to start if 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 he if he does get sacked. But whatever happens with the manager, I feel like Madison's going to play, and I feel like Madison will do well. So yes, I think that's enough about Madison. Madison, Madison, Madison. That is that's the tweet. But I just wanted to go back to some of the other stats from Saturday, not least Son Heung-min. So we looked at the seven shots from Madison. And I just want to point out that um, the joint second for that particular stat was Son. So a number of people may have looked at that hat-trick and gone, well, you know, is it... Yeah, it was certainly against the run of play, so to speak, for the season. You know, is it sustainable? Well, it's hard to tell at this particular stage uh, because his stats haven't been great this season. But it's worth saying he had four shots in that game. Sometimes players get hat-tricks from three shots and you just go, well, how are you going to keep that up? Well... Four shots is the joint second best of any player in he played on Saturday. Uh, only one, only one was in the box. To be fair, one was a big chance, but four on target. So actually, Son was of those players had more shots on target than any other uh, player on that particular day. And it's worth saying that his four shots he had in that game was actually double what Kane got. Kane only got two, and of course he he played less than half the time than than Kane did, and Kane only managed one shot on target. So. In terms of goal threat in that particular game, it was actually Son who offered more. Whether or not he can keep that up, that's another question. But certainly it wasn't... I don't know. Personally, I feel like it's not a lucky hat-trick. I mean, we know he's a, he's a great player. And just the fact that he he offered so much attacking threat in just 36 minutes compared to his teammates not offering anywhere near as much in the time before that. Well, I certainly feel like there's there's something to be read into that. I also mentioned I would talk about Isak as well. He did particularly well for the stats in Game Week 8 as well. He had a penalty, which did help him against Bournemouth. And, of course, he might lose penalties to Wilson when he comes back. Uh, but outside of that, he still played well. Uh, like Madison, he also has three shots on target but uh, and was also joint top among Saturday players for um, shots in the box. So Madison was top for shots total, but he but Isak was joint top for shots in the box. Certainly looks like an exciting player. I'm already alluded to the fact that there's some decent fixtures for Newcastle coming up. He looks like a good player. If I was wildcarding right now, I think he'd probably be on it. The only reason I don't own him at this point, and I keep mentioning on these streams, that I've got Haaland, I've got Kane, and I've got Jesus. And as long as they continue scoring points, it's really, really difficult to take them out. Uh, with my free transfers, anyway. If I'm restructuring, you know, maybe it's a little bit easier. But certainly, Isak is a player that I'm nervous not owning. So... Uh, Vavavoom says Madison may potentially have a new manager for the next game I wonder if that would light an even bigger fire under him in the team I mean that's one thing I didn't actually mention when I talked about the new manager uh, is that actually Madison already playing well the new manager might make him play even better because not that he necessarily needs to fight for his place but certainly somebody's got to give at Leicester and the way that most of the players are playing at the moment if a new manager comes in they all are all going to feel like they're going to have to earn their place so as you say could make him play even better. In terms of the other creators, then from Saturday, uh, we we talked about Madison and we talked about his comparisons with De Bruyne in terms of how many chances he's created. Um, I did just want to carry on pointing out Kane's assist potential, especially in the context of Kane versus Son, because of course he's been outscored considerably by his his cheaper colleague. Uh, no, sorry, not cheaper, is he? No, he's more expensive, isn't he? Because midfielder these days, but. Um, Sorry, a premium, premium, premium midfielder these days is Son. But yes, an assist for Kane. He got uh, three created chances. So Kane was the joint uh, best creator for Spurs in this game. We've known that he's had that 
in his you know that feather feather in his bow for quite some time. But it's nice to see that continuing if you're a cane owner. And so, for example, if you're looking at Son's hat trick and panicking, have I got the right Spurs attacker? Well, if you've got Kane, I don't think you can still go too far wrong. Yes, he hasn't been as attacking in that game in terms of goal threat as Son, but the assist potential is still there. And you know, ten points from him, I'm happy to take it personally, especially in a week when a lot of people haven't done particularly well, and in a week when some people don't own Kane because they own Haaland and they've captained Haaland and he's only got six points or twelve for them, I suppose. So it's nice to know that Kane is still offering that potential. Um, I also want to point out Perisic as well, because some people were getting a little bit frustrated with him. <coughs> pardon me. Uh, so he came off in the 54th minute, and this is quite funny because he actually got booked after he'd come off, I think for encroachment off the bench. So I think he ended the game with, with just two points. Which, uh, As a non-Perisic owner, when I laugh at that, I hope that people don't take that as spite. I just think that I just love anything that just... I just love anything with editorial value, and I look at that and think the fact that he's lost points even after he's off the pitch is just fantastic, really, in terms of something that's quite funny. But if you're getting frustrated with him, which he may well be, it's a tricky one because clearly he's someone who's not always going to play 60 minutes in a game, but he is still a very, very creative player in that Spurs team because he's joint top of uh, Spurs assist potential in that game with three key passes, but with him playing only 54 minutes, it does mean that he was best for key chances per minute. So when he plays 90, you're going to expect him to be top of that uh, particular stat. So, yeah, Perisic still has attacking value when he plays, but I guess the question is, when he plays so yeah um that is uh, that is all i've got from uh, that particular uh, table what i will say is that um there are obviously were a number of other matches this particular weekend make sure you keep an eye on fantasy football scout if you want more analysis like this or some of the other matches uh, of course there were some big games on sunday as well uh, as the next few days uh, roll into the international break there will uh, I would imagine be more of these uh, analyses of these particular games. Now, I did promise this one will be a slightly shorter uh, episode this week because we've had fewer games, got a national break coming up, and it's several hours since the game we actually finished. I probably could have started this stream at about five o'clock, but when you have kids, well, if you've got kids, you'll understand why that would not be something I would be able to do. <laughs> and it worked particularly well. Uh, so as I said, I did promise it would be shorter, but do still have some time for some questions. So if you have got any questions that you'd like me to answer, if you'd like my opinion for whatever you feel it's worth, then I'm happy to to answer those. I'll just read out some other comments whilst those come in. Uh, firstly, uh, Tezza T249, if you are a droid from Star Wars, then great name, because I love it. But yes, how about Harvey Barnes? That is a good question. I don't have too much information on him uh, prepared, but I can probably go and have a look uh, on Fantasy Football Scout uh, in the members area, which I don't think I've plugged enough today. If you, if you All of this information that I've, I've given you, if you enjoy uh, reading about it and you enjoy the tables, make sure you sign up for Fantasy Football Scout if you haven't done already because it is very useful. I'm just having a look at Harvey Barnes's stats for the season so far. He's a player who I've owned in the past. And, well, actually, interesting enough, I've just pulled out his stats and they actually correlate with what I was going to say in terms of how I've always viewed Harvey Barnes. Harvey Barnes is a sort of person who, he loves a shot, but he kind of doesn't really care about his shot past that point. So, he will always have lots of shots, and a fair amount of them in the box, but his um, accuracy and his quality of chances are usually a bit naff. So, what we've seen of him so far in six matches, he's had ten shots in the box, where that compares with the rest of the league is, well, there's about 20 players who've had more than that. But, you know, in terms of other Leicester players, it is, I believe, actually the highest. So he's had more shots in the box than uh, 
any other Leicester player, but only one of those has been a big chance. And only four of those have been on target. And his goal conversion rate is 8.3%. And he hasn't played a single key pass. He hasn't, he's got zero in the column for created, chances created this season. So absolutely no creative potential like at all. And I not, it sounds mean to say it, but the stats literally show he's not played any key passes this season. And has just shot when he's had the ball in areas that clearly aren't big chance worthy. And with an 8.3% goal conversion rate, doesn't look very good. So, yeah, if you haven't got the extra million to stretch to Madison, like that is frustrating because personally I don't really like the look of um, Harvey Barnes. But I suppose, you know, a broken clock is twice right, is is right twice a day. And so maybe if he keeps on these shots, maybe one of them's going to go in. So it's, he's not like an awful one to go for. But certainly when you compare that with Madison's stats, where it's more big chances and more shots on target in the, in that regard. And all of that assist potential as well. Like he offers the goal for it and the assist potential. Like for me, he's worth that extra million, personally. Um, Tielemans, I think people have talked about, he obviously took the penalty, but if he's if he's taken that penalty because Vardy's on the bench and you'd like to think that, that um, Vardy comes back in. So sorry to sort of rubbish your idea. I just, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't be too excited about him. Uh, P-Mac has also mentioned him as well. I mean, like I said, I think maybe he's going to do something. But if I had to compare him with what else is out there, I would rather have Madison myself. Uh, what else uh, are people talking about? Um, Neil Cheeseman says, is Willian worth a punt? Well, he might be. I think I'm the sort of player that I would like to see a little bit more from him before I get too excited uh, about it. Not that I don't think he's a good player. I mean, I've been we've been watching this guy play Premier League football for what 15 years but it's more just the fact that you know he's only played 103 minutes for Fulham since he's got here three chances created so far no shots in the box no big chances no shots on target for a 5.5 million midfielder like assist potential is nice but I mean I think if we're thinking about I don't know I always compare 5.5 million midfielders to a Mares in the 16 the 15-16 season or a Fraser in the would it have been the 18-19 season maybe you know, you for for the best kind of five point five million midfield player, you want to be looking at goals and assists. And I know Gross has pushed himself out of that bracket, and Brighton have had a few blank game weeks and stuff. But you know, he's someone I'd be more excited about. Um, just thus thus far, we've seen William provide assist potential, but we haven't seen him necessarily firing off the shots. So I'd like to see a little bit more. I'd like to see a little bit more from him before I uh, jump on him. And, you know, if I need a Fulham attacker, I kind of feel like Mitrovic is still just worth paying that extra money. Uh, Tezza, with another good question, actually. Bernardo Silva or Foden? Well, I considered Foden for game week eight and decided against it, mostly in the interest of saving my transfers. I could have got to him, but I decided to save it so that I had two free transfers next week as well. And I immediately regret it because, of course, he got involved again. Um, in terms of what he's done so far, um, he is second among all Man City players for shots on target. Now, it is only five. Um, that's 12 less than Haaland. But to be anywhere near Haaland, you've got to be doing pretty well. So, personally, you know, I would still say that Foden is one of the more, you know, exciting ones to go for. Bernardo Silva, he keeps cropping up, doesn't he? He keeps cropping up every, I feel like every other week, Bernardo Silva gets something. And he, right now, is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, the 6th highest scoring midfielder so far with 39 points. He has had just one blank in the last 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 game weeks, offering goals and assists. I mean, yeah, he, he looks particularly good. I don't have any underlying stats for him, so I can't necessarily say that with just like cast iron certainty that statistically he's looking great, which is usually what I like to rely on personally. Uh, but that's just me. 
I've always thought Bernardo Silva is a great player. Whenever I've watched him, he's played a number of different roles in that Man City team. Like sometimes he plays what you would describe the assister of the assist. But at the moment, he's getting involved in the goals and he's the sort of player that Pep, like we know Pep loves Bernardo. We can think of so many times the way he's talked about him in recent seasons where he's, I think it would have been, it was 18-19 season where um, it was just after the World Cup and obviously most of Man City's players had been involved quite deep into the tournament because they were all world-class, let's be honest. And when asked about who he thought, you know, players who were going to be likely to come in, he was you're going to be starting at the, the, the start of the season. He said, my team right now is Bernardo Silva and 10 others. Now, I appreciate that slightly outdated info. It's like three years old now. Well, actually, no, four years old. But I've never seen anything since that time to go against that particular idea. That, that That's just how, that's the regard in which Guardiola um, holds Bernardo Silva. I think he still sees him that way. And uh, as, I need to come up with a better way of pronouncing your name. J-G-F-D-F-G-F-D <laughs> uh, has pointed out, He's fairly nailed. Yes, uh, played in the Gundogan role and on the wing. Like he can just play everywhere. I love Bernardo Silva. If fantasy aside, if I just had to pick players who I thought were just one of my favourites to watch, he's got to be one of them because he just does everything. He can pass. He can shoot. The way he works off the ball, both when the team is in possession and when the team is out of possession, he just ah oh, love watching him. He's a he's a dream for fo- football purists to watch. So having him in your team as well must be quite exciting. Uh, Gareth Robinson, what's your thoughts on Paqueta? I still don't know how to pronounce his name yet because I really just want to call him Paqueta because then, of course, in midfield, you pair him with Rice. You've got Paqueta Rice in midfield, which I know is not my joke. I'm taking no credit for it, but I just I love puns like that. So I don't really know how to pronounce, pronounce his name yet, but you all know what I'm talking about. West Ham's attack, I don't trust it yet. I kind of feel like... I mean, well, I mean, I was... I was had my eye on this Everton game thinking, right... West Ham's fixtures are now good from now, right? I need to see who's going to perform in this game and maybe the next one to see whether or not over that long period where they do have nice fixtures, who's going to perform. And Bowen actually had a better game than his blank would have given credit for. But just at the moment, I'm just I'm not seeing enough from that West Ham attack to want to invest in, in anyone yet. Even Bowen, even though he's played not too badly. I just, yeah. I, if I, if I, I, I'm a boring manager and I wear that badge proudly, I need to have seen someone do particularly well either on the eye test, in the stats, or a combination of both in a best-case scenario for two or three weeks before I invest with confidence because transfers are precious. So, sorry to uh, rubbish your suggestion. Well, I guess not rubbish. Maybe he'll come good. I, just That's what I'm waiting for. I need him to come good before I um, get too into it. I'd like to think I've been slightly more diplomatic than Diesel Howell, who says West Ham's attack is hot garbage. Well, my dad's a West Ham fan, so if he's watching, he's deeply offended by that comment. So keep it coming. <laughs> uh, my my dad enjoys being offended. He's a West Ham fan, so you know he does that very well. Uh, best four point four. Uh, I'm guessing four point five defender. I'll take this as the last question from Kobe. Best four point five, four point four mid uh, defender. Well, it is the season to have cheap defenders, in my opinion. It always is. You always need these guys. Annoyingly, we haven't had too many who have done that well so far. In that, actually, the mid-priced ones are the ones who've done particularly well. So, like Gabriel or uh, Saliba was a four-five, I think, and is now four-eight. So, if you if you feel like you can still keep count him in that bracket, then he obviously looks very good. Uh, ben White is getting some points as well. I still quite like the four-fives on offer at Newcastle now. 
I had Botman at the start of the season and that hasn't gone very well. Annoyingly, yes, of course, of course you would say this, David. It was between Botman and Cher on, I was at Fest, I had 20 minutes to go and someone told me Botman wasn't nailed. And then in the end, I just decided to stick with it and I nearly went Cher. Of course, that would have landed me with so many more points. Uh, if you can consider Cher still a 4-5 at 4-7, then I would look at him because he is actually, I love the way that he is just always so attack-minded. He steps into midfield quite a lot. We've already seen from the stats that Newcastle are a team that are actually now capable of dominating a game in terms of possession and a shot count. And it means that a player like Cher is obviously going to have slightly more time and space to step into midfield and have a, have a pot shot. We've already seen him score uh, one this season. And I'm just going to pull up the the stats for Newcastle as a team because I'm pretty sure last time I looked that he still is is looking quite tasty compared to the other Newcastle defenders in terms of that goal threat. Of course, you know, Trippier is in consideration as well, but I feel like I don't really need to go into detail about why he's so good. But obviously, Cher is cheaper. So, um, yeah, so Cher so far has had 11 shots so far this season. Uh, only St. Maximan and Almiron has had more shots on goal among all Newcastle fans. That's not even the defenders. have had more shots on goal than Cher with 11. Five have been in the box, which is still a little bit lower than those guys he's around, like Jalinton and, and Willock have also had 11, but have had eight in the box. But for a centre-back, you, you know, you can't exactly complain there. One big chance, three-headed chances, two shots on target. So, you know, he's hardly the most, you know, accurate player, but he likes to have a go. So, personally like that... Uh, We've also had suggestions in the chat for Dan Byrne as well, who does quite enjoy a header. So yes, I quite like the look of him as well. If 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 you need to go for a cheaper, six uh, attempts on goal, six in the box, four of them have been headers, one on target. I like Dan Byrne, and he obviously is cheaper as well. And in theory, I guess more nailed on than Botman, but if if I was ranking them, I would go Cher as your best one because I think he's the most nailed on of those three. And I think it's between every week between Byrne and Botman who is going to play in there. Botman costs a lot of money, so you'd like to think long-term he's going to play. But Byrne just keeps earning his place. Really, really been impressed with him. So yes, Newcastle, I, I like them. They've always got Nick Pope in goal and they've got Fulham and Brentford up next. Got Everton uh, in game week 12 as well. Decent fixtures. So I, So it's not really the season for too many exciting options in that bracket. But Newcastle, in my opinion, looks looks fairly decent there. So if you haven't already got a Newcastle defender, or even if you've already got Trippier, I don't think there's necessarily the worst idea in the world to maybe double up on their defence at the moment when um, you may be muddling through. Like, for example, I ended up with two Newcastle defenders this week because it was a blank game week. I don't think that's the worst thing in the world. Yes, of course, they conceded to, to Bournemouth, but, you know, it's Bournemouth. So I don't think it was a bad decision to go with both. So, yeah, Newcastle's where I'd look for. In, in that particular area. Uh, I will take one more. Abdullah says, what about Diego Costa? I His price is incredible, 5.5 million. His pedigree, also very good. Again, I just really want to see him get integrated in that team first. I need to know he's going to start matches. I mean, he's not getting any younger. He's quite old now. I want to see him starting matches. I want to see him scoring goals. Maybe he's what Wolves need to kickstart their attack. But as we already alluded to earlier on in the show, their attack has looked really dreadful this year. So there needs to be some serious improvement at Wolves before I'm going anywhere near Costa. Maybe he's the man to do it, but I would like to see first. So that's that I would say is the final word from me on that and the questions as well. Thank you everyone who's joined me this particular week. As I said, appreciate that it's a bit of a quiet one this week. You know, the, the game's finished a few hours ago. We've got international break coming up. Nice to have people around anyway. So thank you for joining me. Thank you for your questions as well. And thank you as ever for your kind comments. They uh, absolutely go a long way. And uh, yeah, much appreciated. So um, I should just remind people that if you haven't already done so, 
then please do uh, like this video, uh, subscribe to Fantasy Football Scout and hit the bell notification so you never miss any videos like this or videos not like this, like for example Scoutcast on a Tuesday. I don't know if there is one this week, I probably should do, but it's an international break, there may, may or may not be one. But all the more reason to hit that bell notification so you know when the next video is on. Team News on a Friday is also uh, especially useful and there's loads of other great content uh, on this channel. So if you don't want to miss any of that, make sure you subscribe and hit the bell notification. And on that bombshell, I will say goodnight.